For almost a century, the annual conference has provided credible educational opportunities and valuable support for the safety and health practitioner by offering 120 instructional programs, along with exhibits highlighting the latest in safety equipment, instrumentation, and demonstrations. To learn more about the conference, please find us at MICH, M-I-C-H, safetyconference.org. Hello, welcome to Safety Spectrum. I'm your host, Sheila Ide. This program is sponsored by the Michigan Safety Conference, and our topic today is One Size Does Not Fit All. You know, being open to and recognizing a variety of experiences, cultures, and backgrounds is key in developing appropriate operations, as well as recruiting and retaining a workforce where all are valued. Our guest, Bridget Hurd, is the Vice President, Inclusion and Diversity, and Chief Diversity Officer at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, where she is responsible for leading and executing the corporate inclusion and diversity strategy for Blue Cross and its subsidiaries in shaping a culture of inclusion. Ms. Hurd has more than 25 years of progressive experience in inclusion and diversity, health equity, community relations, and corporate social responsibility, helping to facilitate stronger linkages among the community and healthcare institutions by addressing health inequities. Thank you for joining me today, Bridget. Yes, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Well, let's kick it right off by in our pre-meeting, you know, for this podcast, you spoke about the importance of a level setting when it comes to diversity and inclusion. What does that really mean? And yes, well, I've been in my role with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan for just about six and a half years now. And you, we often talk about the journey, the journey of diversity and inclusion when we think about culture in that aspect. And so I've actually been on my own journey. And as part of that journey in my own growth, I've really come to understand that there are different definitions we all have when we say the word diversity or even when we say the word inclusion. And, you know, when I would hold different learning sessions, I would sometimes ask the question, well, what does diversity mean to you? And different individuals would raise their hand. And what I noticed is a generational difference is that baby boomers raise their hand and they'll say race and maybe they'll say gender. And like our millennials and our Gen Z now, they raise their hand and they say people with different abilities or people with different perspectives. How healthy, yeah. how healthy that is, because as a boomer, exactly. I put exactly the way you said, with, with race, absolutely. Yep. Yes. Female, male, because I started out my career in the 70s, where it was quite interesting to be a female in a non-traditional role. I could mm -hmm. So, yeah, so now that definition is definitely broader when we think of the workplace, when we think about products and services that we develop, we have to think broader in terms of diversity and recognize that diversity representation is still very, very, very important. And there are specific action items that need to be put in place, but we need to start with a big picture and then come up with those different opportunities to address representation um, as we need to. So that's why it's so important to, to really level set. And, and, and diversity is, again, all of those different facets. And when we think about a workplace cultures, even things like having introverted qualities or being having those extroverted qualities, because another thing I've learned, and it was an aha moment for me because I'm an introvert, I have a lot of introverted qualities. And just one day I just used it as an example. And with no exaggeration, there were about 20 individuals who came up and lined up after the, the session we were having to talk to me about have, being an introvert and feeling excluded 
in the workplace community. So again, it just broadened my awareness of just, you know, what inclusion really means to people and how it impacts different things from, again, being a person with a disability, um, which are seen or unseen, and, um, or being an introvert or having a particular work style. Uh, it's so important to recognize all of those things. And I think that's why in leadership classes, we're often told it's our job to be sure everyone has a voice. Absolutely. All of the, because you're right, certain people will take over a meeting or what have you, and other people feel they can't speak up. And yes. And then also, you know, paying attention to in those meeting situations um, to individuals who may usually be more reserved or a little more quiet and take the opportunity after the meeting to engage them to say, were there any other suggestions that you may have? Because, you know, I remember being in a meeting um, it was a, a room full of people in the marketing department. So they're really creative and they're just buzzing with energy. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, they're really going, but they were in their creative space. Um, and so sometimes it's difficult for someone who's more introverted to, to break into that and have their voice heard. So as leaders, taking that opportunity to look at the different ways we have to engage our employees is so important. And that when you mentioned the unseen, you know, people look at the disability before they look at the person. Fortunately, mm -hmm. I grew up with a grandfather who was in a wheelchair with rheumatoid mm -hmm. arthritis. Never dawned on me that he was different. Right. It's just who he was. So exactly. I, I'm fortunate that I had that experience. So I don't, it doesn't really bother me, I think. Yeah. And, you know, that's another important thing you bring up, um, our exposure. So the more we become exposed to the differences whether that's someone in a, a wheelchair or someone who's immunocompromised, for example, especially during this time of COVID, um, someone who has challenges with mental health disorders, the more we begin to understand and, and be exposed to what that really means, what the experience are like, the more we normalize those things. So they're not perceived as different. That's just how the person is. That's just who they are. It's normalized. Yeah. I love that word. That's, you know, what people don't realize, maybe somebody starts out whole. What if they have an accident? There's mm -hmm. a workers' comp issue. Do you want to mm -hmm. leave that person home? Or mm -hmm. do you want to find a way to incorporate them back into the, the work environment? And that's right. something, I mean, work hardening, things like it's good to bring them back in. You can't just forget about them just because they got hurt. Exactly. That happens, that happens sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. Your title is Vice President Inclusion and Diversity. Why inclusion first? Uh, great, great, great question, Sheila. Well, for many years, it was diversity and inclusion. And only within the last three years, we've changed it to inclusion and diversity. And so when I talk about that journey, as a company, we've also been on a journey. We've actually have a very mature diversity and inclusion program that the more technical sense of the use of the terminology um, that started about 16 years ago is the, the vision of our, our president and CEO, Daniel J. Lupp. Um, but in specifically over the last six and a half years, we've been exploring and doing that level set around truly understanding diversity and inclusion and, and, and what diversity means, the many facets of it. And then moving from that, we spent a lot of time on that to move into inclusion and what that looks like and feels like. And so we're at that place now where we knew the time was right to focus on inclusion because inclusion is that optimal place where we wanna get 
you know, we want to include everyone. We want to be able to recognize and, and value the contributions and those unique contributions of everyone. You know, as we were talking, whether someone is in the wheelchair or not, they have unique ways they can contribute to a workplace community. How do we create the space to make sure that we're including? Where do we create the space to make sure that there's fairness and respect, that people feel like they belong, that they can come and contribute at the level that they want to, where they feel that there is um, safety, psychological safety, um, and they, they can feel they can share it of themselves um, as a human being. And just, you know, when we create that environment, we get to inclusion. And that takes into account all the facets of diversity, that takes into fact diversity representation. It also includes the focus on equality and equity. When we're doing all of those different pieces right, we will truly get to that place of inclusion. So that's why we made that title change and put inclusion first. But the emphasis on inclusion. I know there's in the workplace, you often have people who are, I guess you would call them leaders, uh, not formal leaders, but informal leaders oh, yes. who kind of dominate a work scene. And when I was in HR, those are the type of folks that I would get reports on about, we don't, we're afraid to speak up. I mean, how do you teach people to be a little more open to inclusion? Yeah, you know, it's really breaking down the wall. And again, that level set is so important. And I'm probably gonna repeat that a few more times before we wrap up today. Because when you start to take apart these kind of rigid definitions that we have, we begin to recognize that this is just truly about having empathy and compassion towards other individuals, towards other human beings, towards other people, regardless of who they are. And you know, we can look at an individual, we see what they look out like on the outside, and we make so many assumptions about that individual just based on what we see. But the, the key is to go there and to, to recognize that we all have a story and a journey. And when we begin to engage with others from that lens, it becomes really easy to include. Um, it it becomes really easy for us as leaders to show that empathy, to, to listen first, to be more mindful, and then to engage. And then when we engage, we're going to do so with compassion. And so, you know, that's just really key. And again, once we remove those rigid definitions, and just begin to interact as human beings, you know, there's so many possibilities for that, that space of inclusion. That segues into the next question. When you define that there are many dimensions of diversity, why is it important to understand someone's journey, their life experiences mm. and perspectives? Yeah, because again, we all have different exposures, even people that we might throw in a box together because we look at them on the, the outside and say, oh, they go in this box, that person belongs in this box. But even within groups, within communities, there are differences. And as human beings, each and every one of us brings some level of diversity to our workplace community and to the communities where we live. And so... Um, it's so important to know that over time, the way we're raised, the family that we're raised in, how we're socialized by our family members, how we're socialized in our school setting, all of those things have influence on us, 
which then in turn influence how we interact with others. And sometimes that, that word like unconscious bias can show up because of those learnings, because of those exposures. And that's why it's so important to be mindful. And the bias can show up um, anywhere from weight bias, for example. And sometimes we don't realize that there's a bias in play. Um, there's lots of research that shows that in the workplace situation or in a hiring situation, for example, people are, who are heavier are, most, are not as likely to be hired or it requires more attempts to be hired. Or definitely for people with disabilities, I think the statistic is around, it, it takes 11 times more interviews to get hired for a position, for example. And so, you know, that's why it's so important to um, think broadly and know we have all of these different experiences that influence our actions and our decisions and our behaviors. And so it's important to understand that and, and pay attention to those for ourselves. I have to tell a story on myself. Uh, I manage several people, always have in my career. And one lady had told me that her husband had lost his job several years ago. And it went right over my head because mm -hmm. I, I'm a person who doesn't like to share a lot of personal information. So I just, and then right. months later, we're working together and she mentioned that he'd found a business. I said, oh, I didn't know he was, she says, I told you. <laughs> it was the aha moment, as you say, that I was so, doesn't mean that I have to engage all of my personal, but I needed to right. hear the people that I work with. I need their story, mm -hmm. as you put it. I yeah. also saw a social experiment, experiment they did when people feel they're so different and they had a, a large group of people, different colors, different races, different genders, uh, beards, clean shaven, what have you. And they had them go into boxes and they said, mm -hmm. all right, everybody who is a, a parent, go to this box. Mm -hmm. Everybody who camps, go to this box. And mm -hmm. they kept doing that until everybody was dispersed. It was right. beautiful. It was just- Oh, yes. Because yes. What, it's the similarities. Right, exactly. So in addition to our differences or how we put people in boxes, well, when it comes down to it, we're pretty much essentially the same in terms of the things we have to deal with in life and how we experience life. And that some of us are parents and they can be black people, white people, someone who might appear they're really tough and part of a motorcycle gang because you know there are all kinds of images that come along with that, those stereotypes. Um, but they're, they're parents too, right? So again, it's just understanding what's caught under the water when you think about the traditional iceberg model. So you think of an iceberg, what you see above the water is the tip of the iceberg. And what's below is 75% of the iceberg that you can't see. So taking that time to really understand, I say dive into the water and go deep and, and understand. And we all have comfort levels about what we share and that's perfectly fine. Um, but, you know, taking that time to listen and to engage because people love to share about themselves in different ways. So that opportunity is definitely there. That example is really good because a lot of safety people use that when they're investigating accidents, that uh, the tip of the iceberg of what mm -hmm. might have, what you think might have happened, most of the story is underneath. Oh, very interesting. Maybe all sorts of issues that impacted that particular incident. So like I so said, we're very familiar with that concept that the hidden story is what you need to dive down and find out exactly. Yes. So how, yeah. did, how did you implement inclusion and diversity at Blue Cross Blue Shield? 
Oh, yeah. Like I said, we have a mature program. Um, more than 15 years, we've been implementing this at different levels, starting with an audit and just understanding our culture, our community, and then establishing a framework. I'm not going to go through the framework because it can sound really complicated, but we definitely implement it from the top down. And when I say the top, that's our board of directors who have articulated a very clear commitment to inclusion and diversity in all of the different ways, down to our CEO, as I mentioned, and then from the bottom up from our employees who are involved as inclusion and diversity champions, for example. And we have um, champions for each division across the organization um, and different committees as well. And we also have 10 employee resource networks that we have in place. And these are common shared interest groups where individuals who are allies or who want to what I call expand their consciousness and learn about a different community, as well as members of a, that particular community, they come together um, to share experiences when we talk about the under the iceberg and the water, to learn from one another um, and just continue to grow. Because as I mentioned, as we become more familiar, you know, we become more comfortable. When we become more comfortable, we are able to embrace one another as human beings. So we have the 10 employee resource networks. Every year, believe it or not, even we transition um, at the onset of the pandemic um, and went completely virtual with our learning sessions. And we hold over 150 learning sessions every single year. Okay. And the topics are everything. We, we cover culture, different communities, different generations, work styles, and perspectives. Um, we just um, did a, a really interesting session on Scandinavian heritage. And we learned that here in Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula, that, that there is a huge Scandinavian community and representation. Um, and then we had a number of employees who talked and spoke about their Scandinavian heritage and how it has influenced them in different ways. And um, we've done sessions on the Asian American community, for example, in a particular looking at xenophobia um, against the Asian American community as we've seen that increase in of violence and discrimination towards Asian American in particular over the last two and a half years. A lot of sessions on African-Americans, but we also cover sessions on um, mental health. And again, looking at seen and unseen disabilities and mental health falls into that category. Uh, we do disability awareness sessions just about every quarter um, again, to address some of the biases that become associated. You, you know, mentioned um, um, seeing someone in a wheelchair, you make certain assumptions about what they can or cannot do. But do you really know what they can or cannot do? Yeah. And so it's that opportunity through our learning sessions to, to really expand our, our knowledge and our understanding. Um, and we have um, coaching programs to provide support for our employees, again, their professional growth and development. And so those are just some of the ways. Um, we have required cultural competency sessions. I would say we, we don't require most of our sessions, but there's some things that are fundamental 
and cornerstone to who we are as an organization, because we really believe in integrating this in all that we do, our policies, our practices, and our different programs that we create, our product development. So cultural competency is definitely one program that's required for every individual in our organization. So when new hires come into the company, they go through cultural competency, um, our education. And the opportunity there is for them want to understand what that means. And that just re really helps us to be able to, one, engage with others with curiosity, understand their needs and um, develop that empathy. And then to be able to adjust and adapt um, simple things like for, indivi for individuals, for example, who may be on our customer service, um, they get a, a phone call for someone and the, the person on the other end is shouting, right? right? And you're like, why are they shouting? And then you think they're shouting at you and you might become a little offended or insulted. But the opportunity there is to pause and then start to ask yourself questions about what's happening. Is this shouting, person shouting because they're irate and very angry about something? Are they shouting because maybe they grew up in a really large family. It was 10 people and they're the youngest, one of the youngest and they always had to shout to be heard. So now they just talk loud all of the time. Or maybe it's a person who is hard of hearing and doesn't realize that they're shouting. That does so, Yeah, and so, you know, instead of responding with anger yourself, it's the opportunity to begin to consider all of these things that you may not understand. It's that opportunity to dive underneath the water and understand a person's story. Yeah, there's a couple points uh, in there. You mentioned uh, mental uh, issues. Mm. It seems like people are a lot more upset about things, uh, more yeah. insulting. There are more mental problems showing up both in the workforce and from the outside. And uh, I'll throw you a curveball. How honest can your people be in these sessions? Oh, you know what? When I, two years into this role, which has been six and a half years now, um, it probably was the first year. And I just remember saying to myself, I have never cried so much in a position. Oh. Because we got to this place where employees truly recognize that this is our family and we can come together and it's safe. And I have been amazed and I'm, I don't exaggerate, just truly amazed by how much of their personal sales our employees share with one another. Um, they share their real stories, stories that, like I said, make me cry. You can feel it. And what's so wonderful is that by sharing, they're, they're learning from one another. They're helping someone else who might have the same struggle or the same concern get stronger. Um, they share, um, they feel safe. And so when I talk about that psychological safety, it, that's, that's that opportunity right there to create that space, but it takes time and you have to put in place building blocks. And one thing I personally made a commitment to, I can sit in my office all day and do this job. I have to show up and engage with each and every one of our employees to let them know that I'm personally committed to this. This is not a special project. This is not just something we're implemented. This is something that we have in place to make a difference for 
ourselves as employees, as well as our members. Well, it's, um, built in, it's built in is what you're saying. Yes, definitely. It is a part of everything that we do. What would be best practices or tips you could offer for integrating inclusion and diversity in the workplace? Yes, I would definitely start with level set. Again, don't start a program and think that everyone has the same definition that you do for diversity and inclusion. Explain what you mean by diversity. Explain what you mean by inclusion. And don't stop talking about those meanings. Um, continue to reinforce it and explain it in, in different ways. So that level setting is definitely important. I would say also to start small. Don't try to have a big program all at once. Start small and, and think about what are the, all of the different areas that you want to touch and address? Maybe it's just starting with employee resource networks. Maybe it's doing some data analyzing in your human resources area to understand your diversity representation. Maybe it's having two learning sessions a year, for example. So, you know, start small, but first start with understanding um, what you want to touch. And, and one way to get that understanding is like, providing an audit of your um, culture. Talk to your employees, talk to them. Do, do they feel like this is an inclusive workplace? Yes or no? Well, what does your answer mean? Because I wanna tell you, there's so much power in seeing those um, verbatim responses um, because that's where you get a lot of the real insight as well. Um, so I think those are two good things. Um, I would say don't force. And as I talked about being on my own diversity and inclusion journey, um, everyone is at a different place in terms of how they want to dive into this and engage. Allow people that space and room to find their place. And when we continue to level set um, for individuals who don't really understand this, the, 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 this big space of diversity and inclusion, it'll give them time to, you know, understand it and then make that choice to learn more and to expand more. Um, and then I would say one last thing is just to, to focus on integrating, integrating this ideal into everything that you do in, in your company, in your business, um, in your community. Um, it's not a special project. It's, um, it's truly about empathy and compassion. And we need to show that in everything that we do. So the culture, as far as you're concerned, at Blue Cross Blue Shield has changed. In this oh, definitely. So yes, what, do you, what do you like about the work and why do you think uh, inclusion and diversity is so important? Yes, well, you know, you, you just said it in terms of changing the culture, the culture transformation, creating a, a workplace where people feel that they are seen and they can show up and, and, and contribute and feel respected and feel that there's a fair environment. I'm, I can't say that we have that 100% across the board, but I know based on organizational culture surveys that we've conducted, we've seen the numbers increase over time, very positively and in big jumps over time. So we know that that, that culture is there. Also, the feedback that I receive from employees that they, they've attended a learning session, for example, um, how they, they, they grow and expand it. I love helping people grow 
and, and just learn about different cultures and communities and, and generations. I love the opportunity to be a resource for individuals in our community. I recall a, um, an, an individual reaching out to me about ageism and what he felt he was experiencing. And I became the, the ears that listened to him and gave him a voice. And so that's a really important role to play in terms of inclusion and diversity. And with your second question, why do I think it's important right now? Because we've heard a lot about diversity and inclusion or now diversity, equity and inclusion as is often referenced and is at the forefront of, of everyone's conversation, especially in the companies and organizations that we work in. So I'm gonna go back to that level set. You know, We gotta make sure that when we're talking about this, we are defining and explaining because that is going to truly make a difference in terms of how this is approached, how strategies are developed, how it's executed in different organizations, and then how it's going to be received by employees. Now, interesting, you made a reference to ageism and we're finding that a lot of people are staying in the workforce at an older age than what they thought they would, or they're actually joining back in. And uh, it, it, they do have some limitations. They do have more accidents, more, more workers' comp issues. But again, they're valuable because of their experience and expertise. So we exactly. got to live with it. <laughs> yes. And give them the opportunity to, to contribute. We don't want to be in a place where we assume what they can't do because they're older. We need to rewind that and look for their strengths and their talents and what they can bring to the workplace and make sure we create an environment that is conducive to them contributing. That is inclusion. That's what inclusion looks like. And then what it feels like, it feels like a person who feels valued. You know, I know I'm older, you know, my workplace might be 55% millennial and Gen Z's, and I know I'm an older worker, but I still feel value. And so when we think about that bigger picture of inclusion, that is the vision where we're trying to get to. That's what we're trying to attain. So why is this topic so important now, you think? Mm -hmm. Again, because it's just at the forefront. Um, I think there are a lot of misunderstandings about it um, in terms of what it means. And when we just look across what's happening in our communities across the nation, um, it's so important that we step back and begin to recognize the humanity in one another. And so when I, you know, that just drives me right back to the importance of empathy, developing a culture of empathy and compassion. And that's why this is so important right now. We need to get back to civility empathy and compassion yeah with so many people committing murder mass murder it's just getting scary to even send your child to school or yes a lot of mental illness but that's not the only reason the people don't yes. like you say don't feel heard they right. they feel alone they feel they have no options and it's a really scary situation in this country right now yes and i'll just say one quick thing about mental health um, there's statistics and there's a Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, Association report on, called the Health of America. And it looks at mental health 
and the millennial population in general specifically. Um, and then we can also, I'm sure, extrapolate this to think about the Gen Z population. Um, and the, the rates for mental health are just alarmingly high. And it's definitely something that employers need to focus on a lot now, um, addressing the mental health needs of their employees, especially for the millennial and Gen Z. It is different from when we were growing up. I'm a not a baby boomer, Gen X, um, but for baby boomers and Gen X, our world was just so different. Yes. And the security issues, the, the fear of security that now happens in, in our community. Think about our, our young babies, you know, six years old and seven year olds, and, you know, just to go to school, what they have to think about. We had to hide under our desk for a nuclear attack, which I don't think would have helped. Now kids hide under their desk because of a shooter. I mean, that, that's how the world has changed. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So any, any final thoughts for us, Bridget? No, I just thank you for this opportunity to join you today and, and talk about this expansive topic, um, because you can take any one of these things and, and really continue to break it down and, and explore the impact that it has on, on real people, you know, every day, how it makes a difference, how it increases our understanding, how it increases our, our level of comfort with people we perceive are different from us. But once we start talking, we realize, oh, they're just like me. They are, exactly. <laughs> I think all workplaces can benefit from the roadmap that Bridget has provided in integrating more equitable outcomes. Uh, one size certainly doesn't fit all, and what a fantastic world that would be. So thank you so much. If you'd like to know more about the uh, podcast or the safety conference or get in touch with Bridget, she's at bcbsm.com. And for the Michigan Safety Conference, it's mich, M-I-C-H, safetyconference.org. Thank you for listening to Safety Spectrum. This is Sheila Ide.